0: Father, I thank you for the privilege of ministering your word. Lord, you said that it would never return void. It will not return void this morning. Father, we break off and silence every ungodly spirit of religion and antichrist. We pray, Father, that our hearts would be open to receive your word and your truth. and We'd be willing to make changes in line with that revelation, Lord, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me in the name of Jesus, amen. What a treat. Welcome everybody to church. Are we all here? Look at you. Um, um, 2022 is a very interesting year. There is uh, once uh, every thousand years, there's a year that when you take your age and you add it to your year you were born, it equals 2022. A few of you guys are doing the math. In most cases, I think in all cases, I've tried it in a few. You don't think so? Do the math. You need a calculator, Marsha. Don't trust your head in moments like this. Just accept. Hey, tomorrow night we're going to have a prayer meeting here at 7 o'clock. I feel there's a bit of a prayer deficit currently for us corporately. And as we step into the future, the only way to break trail is through prayer and intercession. So I invite you to gather here tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Did anybody notice we painted... The sheep shed. She's all completely painted. Did you notice? When you're leaving, that whole side is freshly white. This whole top is freshly black. And uh, that was one of the things we said we were going to do. Did it. It's beautiful. We're getting ready. We're getting ready to fill the house. And uh, I'm anticipating a uh, great, great outpouring and revival. And so we are we're getting ready to do that. So uh, I wanna just say thank you to everybody for um, allowing me three months without preaching and uh, helping me to heal and recalibrate my head a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure if we're quite there um, yet. There's still a process, but I've chosen to walk out my salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't mean I'm, doesn't mean I'm afraid. It just means that you need to take some steps of faith that are in line with your core beliefs in order to see something happen. Many people want to be diamonds, they just don't want to be polished. There's a process that when we come out of the wilderness like Jesus, we come out in the power of the Spirit. I'm anticipating a brand new anointing and new sense of the purposes of God. And so I want to thank you for welcoming all the other ministries that we've had. We've had excellent pastor or. uh, preaching last week, Pastor Fens was another one out of the park, and uh, just so grateful for everyone. And uh, and I need, uh, I just, I still probably need a little bit more s- space and time, but I'm, I don't want to. I just keep feeling I want to get sharing what the Lord's placing in my heart. So um, <clears throat> apparently, my, I um, I got a I got a brand new folio here now. The reason. Uh, for that is I do... I'm missing some hormones, and so if I start heating up, I've got a thing that I can just... (laughs) I'm seriously going through menopause. Seriously. I know you don't think that's the case, but it seriously is the case, and I might need a fan myself now and again. My niece has has a little unicorn fan, and she let me use that while I was back in Saskatchewan. And um, so I'm going to preach the word on something... It's so embarrassingly simple, but so profound. Next week, Pastor Phil is going to release something into the place. And uh, the following week, I am going to do a message, the first time I've ever done anything like this, on a prophetic forecast. And uh, these are things that I'm feeling very deeply in my heart these days. And so I I welcome you to invite people to come along. Um, It seems to me that I'm seeing seems to me that we easily could be seeing what was described in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3, where he says, let nobody deceive you. Don't let anybody deceive you. Why would he have to say that? Because of the potential of deception. Don't let anybody deceive you by any means. For that day, the return of Christ that day will not come unless there first is a falling away. We very easily could be in those days right now. As an indicator of our times, we very easily could be in the days that were described both by Jesus and by the Apostle Paul. What has happened in the church in North America is 50% of regular tenders have evaporated. It's not been a rapture. I know. I'm going. Uh, they've evaporated, and and maybe for good reasons. Disappointments. The Lord didn't come through the way you hoped, or didn't heal, or didn't help the way you wanted, or what, There could be good reasons for it. However, we're taught, and the word falling away is a, a, a Literally, it's a, it's apostasy is there will be a large group of people who will fall away for convenience sake or whatever. They'll fall away. They'll, not necessarily that they're falling away from church, even though that's what we're seeing. But they're giving up on God. And, um, and I think that very easily we could be in that day. Um. So Jesus instructed us in Luke chapter 21 and verse 36. He, he instructed us, and, and I, I bet that n- none of you prayed this prayer, that Jesus asked us to pray. He asked us to pray in a specific time for a specific thing. And here's what he asked us to pray for. He said, it's in verse, um, it's in verse t- uh, 36. He says, pray for strength. Yeah, the Lord asked us to pray for strength that we could escape. Uh, and he said it would be like a trap. So he, added, so he said, pray for strength. That word is used twice in the New Testament. katichio Twice. Here. And what, what it means, what the word strength means is overcoming strength. It means a victorious strength. It's a military term to win in a battle. We are engaged in a battle. The other time it's used, it was in Matthew chapter 16, about the gates of hell would not prevail. It's the same word. They would not have the strength to overcome. So he asked us to pray for strength. Can I encourage you to pray for strength every day because there's an agenda for you to fall away from God, from following, from trusting the living God. That's a very real thing, <clears throat> and, and, and which is the reason why Jesus said, pray for this type of strength. It's not a physical strength, it's an overcoming strength, it's the strength that wins in battle, a valiant strength. Winning because the force there are forces who are waiting to overpower you to to tell you to quit to tell you to give up, and uh, I think it fits in with a message I want to share this morning it 's the last one on the truth series that um, the rest of the speakers were not eager to pick <laughs> i I just don't care I guess but i'm going to I'm going to share on marriage. Let's go. You ready to roll? Okay. In these next number of months, what I really want to encourage us to do is be aware of what our source of truth is because I want to encourage freedom of thought. We need to be, we, we need to be free from certain mainstream media and certain sources of social media so that we can think straight these days. So I'm going to talk about marriage and sex I'm going to see how quickly I can offend people <laughs> the first week back. But I want to say this about, about marriage. First of all, if you miss this, uh, if, you, if you miss this, you'll miss everything I'm about to say. Is that the revelation of marriage is the same as the revelation of church. Not only are people giving up on marriages, they're giving up on church. Not only are they giving up on church, they're giving up on marriages. It's the same revelation. Ephesians chapter 5, I'd invite you to turn there with me. He refers to the relationship of wives and husbands. I'm going to read, I mean, it's almost a shame that I have to describe marriage. Honestly, it is. But in a culture that's gone a bit goofy, I guess we need to remind ourselves what is the authoritative word on the world, and that comes from the scriptures. In or Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm just going to read the last couple, uh, starting at verse 31. As the scriptures say, and that's a capital S, as the scriptures say, not as culture says, n- not as your local bartender says, As the scriptures say, I love that he emphasizes that. Therefore, I want to as well. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery. And everybody said, amen. It's a great mystery. But it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband's. <clears throat> Here is what we believe are statements of faith. There's 12 statements that we make that articulate our values. And this is, verse, or this is number 11 and 12, and we're wrapping up the series. We believe marriage was instituted by God, <clears throat> ratified by Jesus Christ, and is exclusively between a man and a woman. It is a picture of Christ and the church. Sex is a gift from God for procreation and unity and is only appropriate within and designed for marriage. <clears throat> Next month, uh, I will have been married for four decades. And <clears throat> they're clapping for you. And I'm a fan of marriage. Uh, marriage is God's idea. And it works when we do it God's way. I have a, I have a personal goal. Last, uh, in July, I turned 65. And in 50 years, uh, 15 years from now, when I'm 80 years old, I want to look my wife in the eye and I want to say this. Looks like we made it. <laughs> we did it. I mean one life, time, one man, one woman. I hope I I I'm just making it as clear as I can. Marriage, one man, one woman, one lifetime. Right. Marriage, one man, one woman, one lifetime. <laughs> you wouldn't think I'd have to say much more than that. Our strongest muscle and our worst enemy is our mind. You need to train it well. I made a commitment to mental monogamy that I am going to think that I'm a one-woman man. I'm going to think that way. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that I don't think any, anything different. And when those thoughts come, it's not the first thought, it's the second thought, it's the lingering thoughts, what you ruminate on, what you meditate on, you eventually begin to practice. So Jesus would say it like this, if you even think about having adultery, if you think about one of those you've actually followed through already because he understood the power of imagination. It's the womb that, be, that begins to develop things and create uh, our future for us. So it starts with our mind. How are we going to think? How do we think? So um, when, I, when I think about this passage in, first, uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, he's speaking about what was spoken of in Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, he's restating that. It says, For this reason, a man leaves his father and money, mother, and money, his father and mother, and is joined to his wife, and the two become one. Uh, what time was this that he said that? He said this before there was any fathers and mothers. Marriage is a prophecy. Um, it's a shame for us to have to state what marriage is among mature adults. But it's a commentary on our current anti-Christ culture. Anything that Christ stands for, our culture is against. That's called anti-Christ, which is the dominant spirit within our nation. And it's not fought politically. It's not fought in caucus settings. It's fought on our knees before God Almighty. Um, I, um, we believe that marriage is one man, one woman. It's not simple. It's not easy. It's, and it's not always fun. But it's God's plan for survival of the species. Is that in question to anybody? Basic biology, right? Okay. Revelation of marriage is a revelation of the church because both are the image of God on the earth. His design, and he also says it's a great mystery. Um, Don't let anybody deceive you, says by any means. Marriage is under attack, this is no surprise. But we're told in our fourth statement of faith that that scripture, all scripture, is God-breathed, authoritative, infallible, and a foundation for life. So let me repeat that no culture, no government, no politician designed marriage. It was designed by God. So no other institution can define what it is. I realize I shouldn't have to say that, but to me there's nothing more painful than watching the fabric of our culture Evaporate because we've ignored and and defamed and defaced the scriptures as a pattern for life, and we expect life to work. It doesn't work. There's a few things more I could say, I probably won't. I was so shocked last week. I was at home in, in uh, back in Saskatchewan, and um, uh, um, we were visiting with the, some neighbors, and uh, one of the girls that was there said, oh, um, you know, she basically asked what do I do or whatever. And she said, oh, my, my husband or my, my brother is ordained and he does marriages. I said, oh, who's he ordained with? She said, I don't know. I think he just d- did it himself. I know. Oh, it's kind of like country that just makes up laws. I just, de- I just decided I'm going to become an officiant. So he got a license and he signed up as a fish, and I said, "How's that going for him?" She said, "Well, it's a little strange. He married two dogs last week. <laughs> I said, "A little strange. <clears throat> I'm just wondering who, who holds his papers." Two dogs. Come on. Come on. Can't we do better than that? For the life of me? For this reason, a man leaves his father and mother. That's where kids come from, a father and a mother. And the two become joined and become one and thus are fruitful and multiply. Thus the species continues. (laughs) We're going to have fun. When I'm asked if I do weddings, my stock answer is, I said, well, I perform weddings, but I'm really more interested in marriage wedding can take somewhere's between 4 to 11 minutes. I can get you hitched in no time. But getting getting married is the easy part. Staying married. That's a little harder. Staying happily married. That's that's like a marvel of the universe. Staying happily married for a lifetime. Here, here's why. It's just because Scripture says in the beginning, it wasn't just Adam and Eve. It was God, Adam and Eve. A threefold cord is not easily broken. It's meant to be a man and a woman and God. <laughs> That's how it's meant to be. And when you find out, gosh, I don't know what to do. This woman you gave me, yeah, that woman, I'm glad you're talking to me about that and not her about it because I need to readjust how you think about that woman of yours. <laughs> She's mine and she was my design for you to help shape you up, Soldier. Are you with me today? I'm talking about marriage. Man, woman. God's plan. Um, The picture of marriage. Marriage is such an important thing because the imagery is all through scripture. If you were just physical, it would be no big deal, but you're more than physical. You're a multidimensional person. You are spirit, soul, and body. So when we look at the um, when we look at the church, and we or the, we look at the marriage, and we look at church, we see we get an idea that one is a revelation that helps us understand the other. But we are living in a time where people are giving up on marriage, and they're giving up on church. This 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 imagery is all through scripture. Where did man come from? He came from the side. Sorry, woman, man, woman came from the side of man. Thus, the two, when he puts them back together for this reason, there's logic behind marriage, this becomes the image of God. He breathed into Adam, became a living soul, image of God. To separate that, you're breaking the image of God. You're messing with the design of God. <clears throat> when, when the church was born, it was born out of the side of Christ on the cross, water and blood. How did is, how is we sustain life? Water and blood. The church is a picture of the bride of Christ. This won't make sense. Church life won't make sense. Marriage won't make sense until our hearts have been warmed by by the virtuous and the victorious bride of Christ. This is the picture. In Acts chapter 9, Saul gets knocked off his horse. You remember the story. This is in red in Acts chapter 9. And as he knocked off his horse, a voice appears. He said, Saul, so why are you persecuting me? Who is he saying? He says, who, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus. He said, well, I'm not messing with you. I'm just messing with his people who follow you. He said, it's the same thing. He said, when you're talking about my bride, you're talking about me. When you're talking about what, I've, what God has placed together, let no man put us under. He he says, "Why are you persecuting me? Why are you bad mouthing me? Why are you hurting me?" No, no, no! It's just these people that follow you. It's the same. God put He made it that way. Jesus, standing on the right hand of the Father right now, is pointing down at his fiance, saying, "That's my girlfriend." I'm going to marry that one. When you're talking about the church of Jesus Christ, you're talking about the girlfriend. Are you with me? This is why you're persecuting me. <clears throat> our, our goal is to beautify the bride, not blame the bride. What happens when you criticize a bride? Bridegroom gets upset if he hears it. Any bridegroom with any salt, you're talking about the apple of his eye is his girlfriend. We are the bride of Christ. When you read uh, uh, Proverbs 31 about the virtuous woman, who's he talking about? He's talking about his church. He's talking about his church. He he. Um, I wonder if I can find that. Chapter 31, who can find a virtuous and capable wife? That word capable is a military term. Who can find a warring wife? Women are fragile, not like a flower, like a hand grenade. <laughs> he's, using a, he's using a military term here. This is my, this, this, this one, this bride... She's got army boots on. She's being prepared. I'm a spiritual wedding coordinator. The bride and the groom are getting ready. And there's a whole setup taking place in heaven. They're preparing the marriage supper of the Lamb. Marriage... Began and ends in scripture. The image is all through it. You mess with marriage. You're messing with the image of God. You're touching something sacred. It's, and it's not just physical. It's spiritual. It's a military term. Who can find a virtuous wife? She's, worth more, she's more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her. She'll greatly enrich his life. She will not hinder him, but help him. The bride of Christ is, as we gather, and we're supposed to do it even more so as we see the day of Christ's return. Here's the, and pray for strength that you keep gathering because there's an assignment to separate you and what God has put together, let no man put asunder. I still say that at weddings. Weddings. It, it, mm. <laughs> how are you meant to treat your wife same way Christ treats the church here's where, we get the, here's where we get the picture and what did he do for the church he laid his life down for it I've never seen a woman I've never met a woman that would not follow a man who lays down his life for her she gets it do we get it this beautiful picture She, he, what is the church, what's the church like? Here's the picture. She finds wool and flax. She does does business. She makes money. She sits at the gate. She transacts. This is what we're doing. We're a gate church for our city. This is what we've asked for. This is a very picture of the last day's church, the bride being prepared for the groom. Help us, Holy Spirit. We pray that your eyes would be open this morning. What happens at a wedding? <clears throat> excuse me, when the bride appears. There's a beautiful picture. Marriage will cost you your life. That's because it's the highest relationship on earth. It's a covenantal relationship. It takes all you've got. That's why we walk between two families. Because a covenant was an animal was cut in half, took a life to make that life, to, to create this thing. There's a picture of covenantal love. The initiator of the covenant stands at the front and the one who agrees with it walks between the two halves of the animal. The word for covenant meant to cut. A life was taken. It's going to cost you your life. You, you, I know. I know we got needs, but are you willing to give up some of those? If you want to make marriage work, the killer of marriage is selfishness. Either selfishness dies or the marriage does. The only way a marriage works is if you learn to serve your spouse. How does that work? I don't know. Look at, look at Christ. He said it's a great mystery. The Greek word means a mega mystery. Sure, it's a mystery about losing your life to find your life. Yes, it's a mystery. But it's a it's a picture of Christ and his church. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful picture. Is there anything better when you're at a wedding? Like... And everybody stands up. Why? Here comes the bride. It's like the groom is in an afterthought, like a bystander for the main event. He's just like he's at the front, all nervous and jittery. Good thing they're looking at her. I'm just all. It's a picture. It's there's a picture. It's a drama. That's what, that's a that's what a marriage is. It's a it's a drama. It's not just a piece of paper. It's not just physical. It's not just legal. It's spiritual. The the groom, just a little warm-up for the main attraction. He slips in the side door. (laughs) We like to move it, move it. He's wearing a, a rented tux. Somebody else wore last weekend. But when the bride comes... When the bride comes, let me just shift your paradigm time just a little bit. Revelation chapter 19. This is beautiful, oh, I wrote it out. In verse 7, the celebration. It says, Let's rejoice, for the wedding celebration of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Rejoice for the wedding celebration of the Lamb. Note he didn't say bride. It's the Lamb. The marriage celebration of the Lamb has come. A time is coming. Listen to me. A time is coming. A time is coming. And it says the, the, the bride has made herself. Well, I'm just waiting for Jesus to do something. Well, he's just waiting for you to do something. Currently, if you can receive it, we are in the process of being transformed from glory to glory, not for your own personal sake, but for the sake of the bridegroom. She has made herself ready. When you talk about marriage and you talk about this institution and you think about marrying animals, good Lord, have we lost our marbles? It's a man and a woman. And for this reason... Because it's a picture of what's taking place. The greatest love story in the entire universe is taking place. And it's a picture of the bride being prepared for the bridegroom. And one day, that bride is going to appear. And it says right after that in Revelation chapter 19, that the bride, sorry, the groom king rides in on a white horse. He's he's been waiting The the fairy tale of a knight coming on a white horse was taken from Revelation chapter 19 because the truth is one is coming riding on a white horse and on his thigh is written faithful and true. I don't know what you think of body art, but I've been thinking of putting that in my thigh. You too. You too. Wonderful and blessed are those who are invited to the celebration. Verse 11, the bridegroom suddenly appears. What's taking place in history? The spotlight will one day be specifically focused on the groom. Did you hear me? I'm a a church man, but our only role is to get pretty because it's all about him, the groom. It's all about him. In John chapter three, a little bit earlier, wonder if I have this in my Bible, John chapter three. It's a beautiful picture of our relationship between the church and Jesus. It's more than a ritual, but it's a profound mind-blowing picture of how we relate. That's what it is. We're to focus. The church is to focus on the groom, Jesus. Is the focus for us the bride or the groom? The resounding answer is yes. It says in John chapter 3 and um, verse 27, John replied, God in heaven appoints people's work. I'm going to go down further, verse 29. The bride will go where the bridegroom is. A bridegroom's friend rejoices with him. Who are we? with the bridegroom's friend. I'm the bridegroom's friend. <clears throat> I am the bridegroom's friend, and I'm filled with joy at his success. He must become greater, and I must become less and less. This is a picture of Jesus. Why, why are we Christ-centered? Because it's... it's you know, let's, yeah, let's, let's gather, but let's gather and point at the groom. It's Jesus. It's, it, it, the, that's the hope in you and I. That's the hope of the world. It's Jesus. <clears throat> I never want to take the spotlight. I never want to block the bride's view of the bridegroom. Move over, Lauren, so the bride can see the incomparable majesty of Jesus. Sex was God's idea. Um, This week, um, (laughs) oh, do I say this? It's so complicated, hey? But, you know, we had a a fireplace in our house, and I used to light a fire many nights. They would stay burning, everyone would go to sleep. I'd sit up and pray many times, not all the time. But it's always nice to have the, here's here's the point. As long as that fire's in the fireplace, produces warmth. You want to know what happens when that fire gets out of the fireplace? Dang. Makes a mess. Sex was intended for marriage. Between a man and a woman. Somebody asked me this week if I knew what polyamorous was. Anybody ever heard of that term? It's confused me. <clears throat> I said, well, poly, in my head, I'm just kind of going through the word, well, m- many, uh, loves, many love. I said, what is polyamorous? Because I didn't know, I'm so old school. Because I think that marriage was meant to be between one man and one woman. Well, this is where you have just have a whole bunch of different partners. You wanna know how confusing that is to your brain? Because when, you, when, when you're engaged in sexual intercourse, it releases this cascade of hormones, most of them being oxytocin and serotonin, that make you happy and they're the, they bond you. So if you think you can go from place to place to place to place, it's like sticking your tongue on a frozen pole. A little bit of you stays there. You wonder why people are getting so confused. They've left little bits of them all over. This is, sex isn't physical only because we're... We're multi-dimensional beings. Boy, trying to unravel some people who are still attached. Their soul or some part of them is still attached to another person. They feel confused. So that other person does something, and all of a sudden they get emotional about it. Well, you, your soul is connected because you've been messing around. That can happen emotionally as well. Did you know that? Am I saying something that nobody knows? I'm not. This is all. This is you know. Understand this. Pretty simple stuff, right? Um. Yeah. The danger, you know, in the, in the Old, Old Testament, adultery was a capital offense. Did you know that? Ad- adultery is when a married person has sexual intercourse with another person. That's called adultery. It was a capital offense. Today, it's just being polyamorous. Let's put a nice name on adultery. Adultery. It's gonna spread myself around. Well butter my butt and call me a biscuit. I'm just gonna spread myself around. You're gonna create a whole bunch of confusion for you. Because God says one man, one woman, one lifetime. And sex is a beautiful thing. It's God's idea. When you when you keep that fire in the fireplace, it's wonderful. Um, I wonder if I need to say much more than that, but I just want to say this, is that our culture has become flagrant and careless about the high standard, the sacredness of marriage. And we're reaping the results of it. I'm coming up to my last point. It's interesting to me that the f- when, 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 after they had sinned in the garden, they take the fig leaf and they cover their genitals. As if that's in danger. What what happened at the fall? Gender confusion. Who am I again? Well, I was who God says I was. I was who I was biologically, not who I think I want to be or who I think I am. Did you you know that there's, like, you can get, like, surgeries without your, do you know some of the stuff that's happened about changing. Changing her sexes? I, I wondered, you know, what, what happened? Why didn't they give them like a fig blindfold because it says they saw the fruit? Why wasn't that the issue? Why didn't they put fig mitts on them because they went and took the... But they covered their genitals. Why? Because they were... This, this all of a sudden hits them, their gender. And then gender is meant to be affirmed and encouraged within a household of a mother and a father. A father affirms the masculinity of a man. The woman affirms the femininity of a woman. And they become secure in who they are as a man or a woman. It's sort of, sort of that simple, but sort of that complicated. And the last point I want to make is about... about there's an entire book in the Bible that's, that's been dedicated to passionate covenant love. It's called The Song of Solomon. It's one of the most confused because... That's most confusing for most folks anyway. Myself included. When you, read, when you read the Song of Solomon from the position like you're the Shulamite, and you all of a sudden see this intense passion that that groom has, and he's gonna do anything to get to his bride. And his, his bride's pointing at her, him, and say, oh, have you seen him? And his groom looks at the bride says, oh, have you seen her? That's how it works. Not, he didn't say, see all those shortfalls in her? The bride didn't say, oh, oh see that one that's pursuing me? See, all, see like his straggly hair? And, and, and he looks at her, oh, you see those little fawns, <laughs> furry animals? It's a poem. Most, I, I get very confused reading it. But when I start to read it, like I'm being pursued by the groom. I'm I'm uncomfortable being part of the bride of Christ. I'm a feminine thing. But when I start to see the passion of the groom, and here's one of the words he says in in chapter four and verse nine, right in the middle of the Song of Solomon. He said, he he says, you've ravaged my heart. He's referring to Shulamite starting to worship. Do you know that you have the ability to ravage the heart of the bridegroom? When he looks at you, he sees you without fault. Yeah, you see yourself with faults, but he looks at you without fault. Without a wrinkle. That's how he sees you. And he said, oh, that one. She's she's ravaged my heart. The word literally means to peel bark off a tree. Uh, there, I've only taken two Hebrew classes it's still a mystery to me but when you put two Beths together they become one thing so there's two Hebrew letters Beth Beth but it means one thing these two become one thing and he, and he says here's what you do to me it's like it's like, it's like peeling the skin off of me you ravage my heart as the bride of Christ he looks at us he said oh you're beautiful oh you're beautiful that's hard for me to think of sometimes because of the fallenness of myself and the and the marred image of marriage in the country i'm going to pray today that we have a fresh perspective of marriage that that if you're wondering how to make marriage work, you need a revelation of how the bride and the gri- bridegroom are relating to each other. These are the days where the bride is making herself ready. Make no mistake about it. Jesus is getting ready. The groom is excited to be with his bride. This day is coming, it's accelerating. We'll share more of that in, in a couple of weeks. Um, you've ravaged my heart. Father we need to lift our eyes up for a fresh vision of what marriage really intended right from the beginning when you prophesied that a man would leave his father and mother Lord we've just made so many goofy mistakes and I ask on behalf of our city Province and nation, I ask for forgiveness for marring the image of Christ. And I break and bind and gag that spirit of Antichrist to remove you from the land because you, O Lord, are our only hope. So, Lord, here's what we're going to do we're going to let you be part of this preparation process for us as a church, as your bride. And once again, we become enamored and completely captivated by Jesus, the Bridegroom, in whose name we pray. Amen. Let's sing. Let's worship. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast. And check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.